Hello, my friends, my patient friends. It's been a little difficult lately, being here in this dream world and morphing into whatever it is I'm going to become. It's hard to tell what it will be. I imagine that it will be... No, I don't know. I've given up on knowing, needing to know, needing to understand. Well, perhaps I'm trying to give up on it anyway. Perhaps it's just a matter of believing without knowing. Believing what? Believing in... I don't know. I'm just so tired. It's a little hard to think about things like that, when your body is twisting, popping, growing, shrinking, getting ready to be something else. While I am here, buried in the snow, turning into something that I've never been before, I am still halfway in my dream world, my eyes quickly darting to and fro to create their own visions where none naturally are. It is here, in this dream world, where my tarot deck is. The cards are now each bigger than a house, and they float above my eyes like wandering towers in the fog. Nothing else here is lit up. No one is here anymore. No more colorful people walking against a black velvet background. No. It's just darkness, fog, and the cards now. Last week, perhaps you remember that I discovered I have a hunger to change the world for better. A driving need to take my lust for power. My ever-burning desire to transcend any boundaries put before me and to put that towards creating goodness wherever I can. To help. To help the world grow. To help people thrive. I want to help. Perhaps I need to help. So this week, in my dream, I asked the question, though my lips didn't move, how can I best help? The cards slowly shuffled themselves before my gaze, lumbering like great giants in the sky, shuffling around until one found its way to the forefront. Standing before me, it turned around. Looming ahead of me was the Eight of Swords. We've seen it reversed, and recently and I told you a bit about the card. Picture a person, I said, bound and blindfolded, standing precariously among rows of upturned swords, terrified she'll fall and hurt herself on them. Now when she was upside down, she had a clear escape route. We discussed this. Episode 131, The Freeway. Worlds away. That story seems now. But now, she is not upside down. 
she can't fall. She's standing. But she doesn't see that there is a path away from the swords. She has to lift her blindfold. She has to look. I have found it hard to lift my own blindfold. But in that dream, even though I knew this might be the most difficult and painful spell I've ever worked, I made a pledge, and I burned it into a candle, and I burned it into my heart, and I proclaimed aloud, It is time for me to open my eyes to how I can change the world. I did it without even realizing, really, that I was doing it. It was almost as though the Eight of Swords did it for me. The Eight of Swords is not interested in all the reasons I can give to keep my blindfold on. The Eight of Swords was just answering my question. You know. You know. You know what is right and what is wrong. And it is very, very difficult in this world to practice goodness fully and without hypocrisy, isn't it? But you've pledged yourself to it. So now you have to work hard towards it. So what am I doing, sleeping? Wake up, little butterfly. Wake up. Wake up. Wake up. No use. The inertia is too great, and my metamorphosis is not over. I'm not quite finished yet. But I will be soon. I must give you a story. It is my duty, isn't it? I must do that. And it, it must have music. Where will that music come from? Where, where it always comes from, you fool, from the sky. Just start telling it. Try. Try. You can do it. I have told you the story of a girl who was once a farmer, who worked hard among the growing things and enjoyed the people in her town. Then one day disaster struck, and she found herself alone in a tower, but among many other towers full of isolated, lonesome people. Then one day she descended from her tower to help someone far away, an old woman with stars in her eyes who could see everything, despite the fact that she wore a blindfold. And she passed along her gift to the girl from the tower, the girl from the earth, who took the gift and set out to use her gift to make the world a better place if she could. Do you remember her? We watched a puppet show about her recently. You must remember her. I want you to imagine her, traveling through the world, blindfold over her eyes yet walking freely and confidently down roads, through grass, through snow, in the rain, walking, ever walking on and on, seeking those who also want to seek, those who desire to seek, anyone who is looking, her people, that is who she sought. And sometimes she found them, 
Sometimes she could lift her blindfold a little so that they might see the glimpse of a star in her sky-black eyes. Sometimes they were grateful. Sometimes they were excited. Sometimes they could see nothing and grew angry. Or they could see everything and they still grew angry. It is hard to tell how someone will react when they are shown everything. But it is still one's duty to show them, if one is carrying it in their eyes. So be aware of that. If you have the universe in your eyes, it is your responsibility to show it to others. I falter with this one too, my friends, but have patience and have courage. Anyway, the girl with the sky in her eyes, the not-mother, as she was now growing accustomed to being called, walked and walked and walked. But she had difficulty finding people eventually. She had touched many and helped some, angered and infuriated others, etc. We all walk through the world touching others in similar ways, you understand. But now this girl's world grew a little smaller again. She was used to encountering many people along her path. Lately, however, it was a lonesome road once more. She thought of her little cabin with the little candle in the window, the one she'd inherited after her lonely little tower. And it seemed inviting indeed. But she couldn't find it again. Alas, she was lost. Lost in all this everything I keep speaking of. And her belly ached from hunger, and her back ached from work and her feet ached from wandering, and her eyes ached from looking. And she saw a house up ahead. A house that she could already see was abandoned and haunted, and so therefore not abandoned. Perfect. She knocked on the door. She knew no one living lived here, but it was still a courtesy to announce her arrival. The door opened a hair by itself, but no further. It was a reluctant invitation, perhaps, but an invitation nonetheless, and so she entered, for at this point it would have been rude not to. Well, 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 she said to herself, looking around the home. Large, stately, but neglected as it was. She felt at home here. But that is, I think, one of the not-mother's great strengths. She can feel at home anywhere, because everywhere is familiar. Where shall I start? She heard a strange clinking sound, like the jangling of chains, perhaps keys, no, not quite those things, but something else, and a strange, very quick kind of breathing, snorting perhaps. She was not afraid, for it is not the not-mother's place to be afraid, 
no matter how old or how young she may be. But she was ready. When she saw the little dog, hurriedly but carefully descending the creaking stairs at the end of the hall, she exhaled a quick little laugh. The clinking sound grew louder as he approached, and she stooped down to feel its source, a little metal tag around his neck on a collar. She couldn't make out the name inscribed, only that it started with an F and ended with an S, and whatever it was, she could tell that the little dog still wore his name with pride, even if there was no one in the house to call him by it. But she was not so certain that there wasn't. He looked well and happy. He did not look hungry. He did not look afraid. This strange little dog, whoever he was, was not alone. Are you the master of the house, my friend? The not-mother asked, not presuming enough familiarity to scratch him behind his little pointed ears yet. Would you like to see something? She said, and lifted her blindfold. The little dog looked into her eyes, stars in them and all. His tail perhaps wagged a little more slowly and he snuffled a little by the time she pulled the fabric back over her eyes. Great revelations and intense epiphanies of the world are not quite so surprising to animals, who are much more attuned to truth and fabrication than we are. And so the unknown does not capture their interest as quickly as it does ours. And so, having had enough of the miraculous sight... The little dog turned around and wagged his tail faster, heading down the main hallway towards a room, a living room of sorts. It had couches whose red velvet was so dusty they looked more like deep plum. It had a little glass coffee table. On the table was an old book, folded in half at a certain place and while a thin layer of dust covered most of the coffee table, on its surface near the book was clearly a human handprint. The girl sat on a couch and stared at the fireplace that the little dog was sitting patiently nearby. Above it, there hung a portrait, a painting of a man, handsome and strong, with keen eyes and an unkempt beard, and a strange look of resolve, perhaps even pain, a determined kind of pain. More importantly than all that, he looked familiar to the girl. Sure, she looked at him with a blindfold over her eyes, but she could see everything anyway, and she could tell that this person most definitely seemed... That thought was interrupted by a great gust of wind blowing through the house. It shook the girl's hair. It blew dust from the furniture. And the little dog did a little dance on his hind legs. Who has come to visit us? A voice called out in the wind. 
The dog made little yapping sounds in answer. I was looking for a place to rest. The girl who was now the not-mother said, Then by all means, the voice rumbled, and suddenly a warm and roaring fire appeared in the hearth. Rest here with us. And the girl gratefully warmed her feet by the fire. Perhaps an hour or more passed, and she dozed in and out of sleep, the occasional footsteps of the ghost who lived here sometimes waking her, and the little dog frantically moving his legs lost in a dream, keeping her company and distracting her from the silence. But eventually, as though right beside her, the ghost whispered to her, You seem awfully familiar to me. She turned to meet his gaze, though her eyes were covered. Yes, I felt that too, with you. The ghost sighed, and his blue eyes on the portrait flashed red for a moment as they puzzled over the strange predicament at hand. But I am certain I've never met you. The girl nodded. I am certain I've never met you. But you see, I see everything. And so I know everything about you. <laughs> the ghost laughed a little. Do you? Won't you tell me then? He said. She removed her blindfold and those galaxy eyes swirled as she looked into the universe to find the answers she wanted. It's complicated, but I can see it. You were once a great hunter. A creature of darkness had hurt you, and so you became a hunter. You wanted to kill her more than anything, and yet you grew to love her instead. And she grew to love you, too. But you grew old, and she did not. And you died, and she did not. She promised to be good, but she kept changing. And so you haunted, haunted, haunted her. And she banished you. Then you returned one last time when she needed you. And then you exploded into a million little particles and scattered this way and that. But when she was reborn anew, you found yourself born anew, too. Just in this moment, you find yourself born again, here, in this strange house that you don't own and you never owned. You are only here because I am. Am I right? A long pause. Her vision shocked her, even. Yes. You are right, he answered. So the question becomes this. What are we doing here? The girl shrugged. I thought I was here to show you this. And she pointed here to her eyes and their endless galaxies and stars and systems within them. But she wrapped them up again with the blindfold but I can see that you've already seen everything.
The ghost nodded again. Yes, I have. I died and I exploded into a million little particles and scattered this way and that. I saw everything on this planet and beyond this planet. I saw how small my individual suffering was and I saw how great others' suffering was. I saw how organized and chaotic the world could be all at once. I saw things I never dreamed possible and yet things I always knew, somewhere inside myself, to be true. Yes, the girl encouraged him. Yes, but that is not how I know you. At that moment, the little dog began to bark, and the strangest thing happened. It began to snow, inside, The fire still blazed brightly, but snow began to fall in the house. As it covered the floor, the girl and the ghost stayed perfectly quiet, merely observing for a moment. She's here, isn't she? The girl said. The ghost agreed. Though human eyes would not have been able to see him, the not-mother's eyes could, and so can mine. He stood in the living room, in front of the fire, right where the dog lay sleeping, and he faced the girl. He looked just as he did in the portrait when he was young and vital, but still fictional. They both turned and looked at me. Did that solve your problem? The girl asks. No, it didn't. My problem is that I want to be with them. With the girl who left a candle in her window but then left her window. How dare she? And I wanted to be with the handsome ghost. The ghost from a lifetime ago. The one who looks at me as though he recognizes me, but doesn't. Please let me in, I ask and I catch my reflection in the glass of the window where I'm peering in from. That is all I do lately, as I've been in my cocoon. I've been staring into dreams through windows and wishing I could touch them. Do not think that I don't have love, for I do. I have devoted loves in my forest, but I desire... more... I am hungry for it, so hungry that in this dream I ripped myself from that cocoon too early, and one of my eyes is white and cannot see, and there is a ripped, translucent purple wing hanging from my back, the other one folded out of sight. I can barely see, for there is something like blood but not blood all over me, covering my eyes, making me shiver. I look like something that a scientist in a laboratory invented and then looked upon, screamed, and ran out into the streets so that he would never have to look in my eyes. A broken thing, 
a spirit of pain and unfinished work. Please let me in, I ask again. We can't, the girl inside with the blindfold says. This is a nightmare. I am shivering. I pound my fists against the glass. It is no use, the girl with the blindfold who can see everything says. If only you hadn't let me go, the handsome ghost laments, looking on me with pity. If only you had been strong enough to make me real. If only you had that power. And the little dog still slept by the fireplace. Even as the glass of the window broke and shattered to the ground. Even as the house disappeared, and all that was left was a snow-covered patch of land, glinting in the waning moonlight. The little dog still slept. I am a broken monster in the snow. I am half-baked and cold and tired, and I got lost this week. No. No, I am safe in an apartment, and I am warm, and I am loved, and I am... Confused. Come here. Split in two for a moment, monster. There, there. My beautiful monster. It was just a bad dream. Come here. Let me put my hand on your forehead, ephemeral, changing, lost and fragile thing that you are, and let me return you to your chrysalis where you can rest for just a little bit longer. Was the Eight of Swords telling you to remove your blindfold so that you can find your way out? Or was it instructing you that, perhaps, though it hurts, and it is hard. The way out is not something that you can spot with your eyes, but rather only by looking within. You knew this, though. You know everything. What you've realized is that knowing is nothing if you cannot feel. The not-mother is gone. She cannot guide me. She is me. The handsome ghost is gone. He can no longer grant my wishes. He is me, too. Even the little dog, the one who came from your world and visited mine because animals can easily transcend the borders of storytelling, has left us now not without jogging over to us and twitching his pointed ears, blinking his big brown eyes, wagging his little tail, checking that I am all right, that I am well here on my own. Yes, my little friend, I am, and you can go home. He is not me. 
He is a real little dog somewhere out there in this big world. And that brings me comfort. Au revoir, François. I say, for his name tag is clear as day to me, now that I've done with illusion. And just like that, he's gone. But now it is only I, left here in the snow. Writer, creator, in this land. This wasteland. This dark, cold night. Do not fear for me. I am comfortable here. It is when I try to fill this night with nonsense that I am uncomfortable. I tried tonight. I tried to weave a story from doubt and uncertainty, from fear and fatigue, and it didn't come. It's okay. I wish... I wish I could have you all here with me. A banquet table laid. A band of instruments playing themselves. Gorgeous monsters, humans, and spirits alike dancing together. Fictional and real and everything. But wishing does nothing. Give me time to find the way out. Let my dream self have time to keep her eyes closed a little longer. I must let her grow. Let her finish herself. I do not bow to anyone's expectations of me. Even my own. Fragments of thoughts, little snippets of epiphanies fly across my vision. I have spent all week trying to grasp them, catch them midair. I succeeded temporarily, but still they flew away eventually. Their lessons lingering but not satisfying this terrible, dark, unnatural, burning desire for control. Control is different than power. We cannot burn our power, nor should we. But we can take that useless and unquenchable desire for control, cast it into this fire here, in this dream world we share now, and watch the smoke that rises up in a strange color pattern that you never could have expected. And stay warm. Good night, my friends. Rest.
everyone, and thanks so much for listening to episode 134 of On a Dark Cold Night. This is your host, writer, podcaster, composer, everything, etc., Kristen Zaza. I hope you enjoyed this episode for what it was. Whatever I meant to say with it is what I had to say this week, I suppose. I hope you don't mind. I also hope you enjoyed a guest appearance by François. I couldn't refuse a request to include him in a story, and he made such a fine guide for me in such a such a strange and difficult story. So thank you for that, dear François. I would like to send a big thank you this week to Keith, who not only donated 10 metaphorical coffees to the show through coffee.com, but who also became a monthly Patreon supporter as well. Thank you so, so much, Keith. I'm so grateful for your helping me create this show with your donations. If you want to support like Keith, you can either buy me one or more metaphorical coffees through coffee.com by visiting ko-fi.com slash darkcoldnight or by becoming a patron of the show through Patreon. Every monthly Patreon supporter receives access to Honor Dark Cold Night's ever-growing soundtrack. If this is something you're interested in, head on over to patreon.com slash darkcoldnight to learn more. And we also have t-shirts and hoodies available for purchase at bonfire.com slash ondasha-dark-cold-night if you'd like to check those out. I would also like to thank the wonderful Rennie A. from the U.S. who wrote an updated iTunes review. Thank you so much, Rennie. If you're enjoying the show as well and are looking for a free way to support, leaving a rating and review on iTunes is a great way to do so. And please feel free to follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter at a dark cold night, Instagram at dark cold night podcast, and on my Facebook and YouTube pages just called on a dark cold night. Thank you for being with me here tonight and listening to the fragments of my fictional memory, whatever that is and whatever that means. It means a lot in its own strange way, and I hope that doesn't ring hollow to you. If you've listened to my episodes up to this point, Thank you for encouraging me and staying with me through beginnings, middles, and ends, and my complete love of chaos alike. I appreciate it more than words can tell. Thank you. Good night and sweet dreams, my friends. This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network. So.